Before we begin today's show, the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney is back Monday through Friday. Be sure to check out his episode with Dr. Anthony Fauci, who talks about the feasibility of having a full baseball season. And Buster also speaks to World Series winning manager Dave Roberts and his counterpart in the other dugout, Rays manager Kevin Cash. That's the Baseball Tonight podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or where you're listening to this podcast. And if you didn't know by now, Stephen A's World streams weekdays on ESPN+, Plus, bringing fan Stephen A. Smith's entertaining perspective and deep expertise, along with his signature guests. The best interviews from Stephen A's World are now available as a podcast every Wednesday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and watch Stephen A's World on ESPN+, Plus right now. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Sunday evening, uh, just moments after the Brooklyn Nets beat the LA Clippers to finish off their road trip, uh, their Western road trip 5-0 and and sweep LA. Joining us from Staples Center, Section 112, based on the video feed that I'm looking at right now, <laughs> is down from Oakland is, is Mark Spears. Um, this is our first pod this season with somebody in an arena, Spears. So you're breaking new ground. You know, it's um, I, I feel like I'm making history, man. <laughs> he's talking through the mask because he's following the protocols. Um, joining us from Seattle is Kevin the Machine Pelton. How's it going, Pelton? It's going well. Definitely not as exciting a venue to watch the game as the Staples Center. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it depends on what kind of snacks you got. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> there's no snacks there. Yeah, the media food, uh, the the um, the ice cream machine at Staples Center is legendary and has um, been shuttered. Oh, what about the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Yeah, the whole concept of the of the vat of peanut butter and jelly that I think those days are gone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, this is way off topic. They they put the packaged peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the um, the uncrustables. Yeah, I don't. I think it's the other. This is, is so. This is going to blow all of your mind. It is not the Incredibles. It's the competing version. Well, there you go. Okay. Yeah. But still very well, good. We're still very happy to have it. Um, for one thing, so you know, what was one of the most popular items in the bubble was actually peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, as um, Gary Washburn affectionately called it. He's like, you're like having cigarettes in jail. They're just like money. And then anytime you needed a snack, you 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 know you could pull out one of those PB and J's. I, I myself was a strawberry guy, but he liked uh, it. Ah, so you could work a deal. Um, back in Chicago in the days, um, two things about going to a Chicago Bulls game. At least for the eighteen years I went to Chicago Bulls games, which were a lot of a lot of games in Chicago. One, the game notes, um, the top thing it always said bullshit. <laughs> Every time it said bullshit, uh, and then right on, right above their embossed logo of six-time NBA champs, and then always at Bulls games there was a I, and I want to say a that I want to be very clear here like a giant it would be like a it would be like um, a salad bowl uh, for a party of ten of peanut butter and of jelly and if you wanted to if you didn't want to eat the meal you didn't like what was being served. They, they threw out two, a vat of jelly and a vat of peanut butter and a loaf of bread, and that was what you could have dinner. And I'm sad to say I'll bet those days – I'll bet the days of the communal peanut yeah. butter vat are over. So, but we can yeah. still get the packaged sandwiches maybe someday. This has been a great start to this podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Collective. We'll see you next week. No, um, Spears, 
um, the Nets in this game. Now there was a, there was a controversial call at the very end. Uh, Kawhi Leonard um, going in and um, pushing off on uh, they called they called him pushing off on Harden. Although I felt Harden flopped, but um, I don't want to talk too much about the game itself. Um, we'll do that in the playoffs. But the Nets uh, have to feel really good, even though. They played the Lakers without Anthony Davis, and tonight Paul George, I think, ran into a minute restriction. They pulled him out with three yeah. minutes to go, and he didn't finish. Um, the Nets didn't play without Durant on this trip, so they have to feel really good about where they are as a team. Six straight wins, 5-0 and oh on this West Coast trip. I mean, they should be ecstatic. I mean, Durant misses, what, half of this, and this is the result? Um, I, I got to see them play at a full strength against Golden State. Was at that game, and uh, they just looked like, you know, perhaps the best team in the NBA. Um, one thing that I saw today was also really encouraging, and, and I think we talked about him in previous weeks, was, you know, DeAndre Jordan won him the game at the end. Uh, he, he looked great. Uh, he rebounded the ball. He blocked shots. He had a season-high four block shots. And if he could give him that extra boost, I think that helps a lot because, as we talked about before, like you losing Jared Allen's rebounding, losing his shot blocking, you know, uh, was was a tremendous loss for this offensively gifted team. And that, to me, still is my biggest worry for them, is them from a defensive standpoint. But for them to come out west and, and, and do what they did with, you know, just a part-time Kevin Durant was, I, I think, a huge boost of morale for, for the Brooklyn Nets. Pelton, their defense has been improving ever since they started to go to a, a full switch, switch everything uh, defense. And uh, I'll talk about it in a minute, but I just, I know you've written about them recently. Um, to me, especially watching tonight very closely, I did watch tonight's game very closely. Um, their cohesion at both ends is is rapidly improving, which you'd expect for, in a new team, but they still haven't had that much time together. Yeah, I mean it's it's impressive the way they came together on this trip, like like Mark said, and uh, yeah, the the switching has been kind of a gradual thing over the time. They started the season switching relatively average rate, started switching more frequently when they made the Harden trade, which makes sense because that's usually how he's best and been deployed defensively, and then really took it to another level on this trip. And it'll be interesting to see the numbers uh, for tonight's game when those are available from the second spectrum tracking. But you know, I think they showed enough defensively. On on this road trip that I think the combination of how well they played without Durant, the fact that the path in the Eastern conference looks relatively cleaner to get to the finals than it does in the West, especially for the Clippers and Lakers. Now that they're looking at probably being in the two and three spots. I, I think at this point, I, I feel like they're the favorites. We're not the first to say that. So guys, uh, earlier this week, um, our uh, all-star voting was due. The media makes up 25% of the vote for, um, for the all-star starters. And, um, you know, and anybody who's talked about it at all has talked about how the real difficult decisions was the guard spots in both leagues, Lillard and, uh, and Doncic, which we're going to talk about Lillard in a minute. Um, the other one was in, <clears throat> what do you do with the second guard spot? Bradley Beal was, um, you know, pretty easy call, but, um, what do you do with the second guard spot? And, and guys, um, I put James Harden on my ballot. Now he did not get elected. He'll be elected by the coaches. I'm sure. Um, and anybody who put uh, Jalen Brown, um, I wouldn't have a problem with. Kyrie got um, Kyrie got voted in uh, by the fans. Essentially, uh, he finished fourth in the media vote. Um, but you know, I'm not going to quibble 
with anybody on Kyrie. Uh, but I voted for James Harden. And the reason I did was because I have been so impressed with the way he has moderated his game and been so patient since the trade. And I know that he got what he wanted and he was coming and trying to fit in, but you know, he's an MVP. He doesn't you know, really owe anybody anything. And even especially since Harden or, or since Durant has been hurt, he has shown such finesse and susp- particularly, really, I only care with one person, and that, that's with Kyrie. He has allowed Kyrie to be Kyrie. He has been aware that um, the Kyrie was the guy whose role was threatened the most. And from the first game they played together in Cleveland, those first two games, I remember talking on this podcast about how I felt like his shot, his overall shots, overall shots had really fell. He let Kyrie sort of control the ball a little bit. And then Kyrie sort of after a couple of weeks said, you know what? You should be the point guard because he's averaging like 15 assists a game or whatever. His, you know, whatever he said, you know, whatever happened to get out of Houston, it happened. Like, I mean, I don't, I, I thought it was a, a move to go to those clubs or whatever during COVID. I thought he deserved um, this, this, the penalty that he got, although he avoided having to write the check like Kyrie did. Um, I did not, I mean, he was obviously trying to make himself a pain in the ass and that's to, tr- to do the trade, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't give him any, any tip of the cap for that. But when he's as a net, I've been extremely impressed with him and I put him on my all-star team. And I thought in this game tonight, he yielded to Kyrie down the stretch. And by the way, I don't even think it was the right decision necessarily because Kyrie, uh, this game, the Nets had the lead the most of the game. And then they actually gave up the lead and it was tied in the last minute. And it was, the reason was, is because Kyrie was chucking. He went two of nine in the fourth quarter, uh, oh, a four on threes, just took some wild shots in my view, but Harden, when he needed to, got it done. Scored nine points in the fourth. I think he had 35 for the game. Spears, I have been extremely impressed with James Harden and specifically James Harden's handling of Kyrie. And I think it's a big reason why the Nets have gotten traction with this team so fast. Well, I think he's playing the best basketball of his career. Um, I mean, we we I've seen that guy we saw in Houston. I actually first saw it down the street from here in the Drew League. And just that shoot everything, forget about whoever else is on the court player. And and he certainly is certainly talented enough to score a will, to do whatever he wants offensively. But he's a gifted passer. He's a gifted point guard when he wants to be point guard. And when he came, I thought that it was best to have him with the ball in his hands. You know, Kyrie's a two. He's like Steph Curry. He's a two. You know, we know what Kevin Durant is, so I, I just thought he would be the best facilitating the offense. And it took him to have two future Hall of Famers to, I think, be comfortable doing that. Um, and it, it has made him look great. This is, to me, um, what I always hoped he could be, what I always wanted to see him be as a player, I, 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 the way I thought he could have potentially lifted the Rockets to the, to the championship. I, I wish he would have played this way in Houston. I think perhaps there might have been some different results, but he's finally playing this way now. And uh, hopefully um, for him, he realizes that this style of play is, to me, how he not only is best for him, but the best finally for his team. So Pelton, uh, Harden is averaging six, well, we'll call it seven, six and a half free throws a game as a net. He averaged 12 free throws a game last year as a Rocket. Half as much. Now, some of it is because his usage is down a little bit, but I also feel like 
he's not spending a lot of time just hunting for fouls. And I mean, maybe that's a result of, look, I got Durant and Kyrie here. I can share the ball. But, um, you know, I, I think that's also been a, a factor as well. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You even look at these last four games here since Durant went out of the lineup. He's averaged 4.3 assists as he's averaged 27.3 or 4.3 free throw attempts, I should say, as he's averaged 27 points and 13 assists in that stretch. So it's a different style of play in many ways from him and, and a more aesthetically pleasing one, I think you'd have to say. But yeah, I also voted for Harden as my one of my starters. I went with Harden and Kyrie. I went with both the Nets guards. Mm. And a night like this is why, I mean... You know, I understand. Kyrie was me- Kyrie had some great. He he was bad at the end of the fourth. He had some special moments throughout the game, though, for sure. Right, and I I understand if media members wanted to hold it hold it against him the way he left Houston, but I feel like when we get to the end of the season, that's going to be a pretty distant memory, and what we're mostly going to remember is what he's doing right now in Brooklyn. Yeah. So one thing that's happening, and I, I saw this, and the, the Clippers had a really nice win over the Jazz on Friday. Um, they played the Jazz twice this last week. Um, Harden, I'm sorry, uh, Kawhi and Paul George missed one of the games. The Jazz won. They came back, uh, had their full team, played the Jazz. Mike Conley was back. Terrific game, uh, but the but the Clippers won, so it was a good win for them. That they moved into second with the Lakers, struggling without AD. They moved into second place in the West. Um, in this game, though, I felt that uh, the switching defense caused the Clippers to get into some isolation basketball, which is, is all this time. When you play a team that switches, it, it gets you to hunt mismatches and you tend to play more one-on-one. Um, if they were preparing for a playoff series against the Nets, um, they would probably have some actions to, to, to do that. You know, the way I think you beat the Nets is make them work on defense. They just want to get a lot of times they will fall into the trap of just give me the ball back because they're so great on offense. The Clippers let them off the hook of that a lot. And I think maybe the game plans or, you know, whatever are behind a little bit because um, you can't really prepare. So you know, in a playoff series, I think it would be different. But the switching defense um, has helped them improve. And Bruce Brown, who's moved into the starting lineup, helps them because they're versatile. Jeff Green is versatile in the switch defense. And they've got this incredible weapon. In Joe Harris, who came in, I don't know where he's at right now, but he came into the night shooting 51% on threes. And like, nobody mentions that guy. But when you've got three of the greatest isolation players in the history of the game, and I don't just say that uh, in passing. I really mean that. I'm not going to rank them or whatever. Uh, you've got a guy who can lean <laughs> the leading three-point shooting, or he's got to be in the top three. Um, it's a huge weapon. And so, um, you know, I was skeptical about, the Nets being a championship level team because of their defensive issues. But as I've watched them, I've become more and more convinced that they could do it Spears. And I, I mean, I, I'm in agreement with you. I think Harden is, is a big part of it. And I think they're going to, they're going to, they have an MVP candidate who's going to come back. And if Durant stays healthy, the guy can, the guy can be an ultimate difference maker of all time. And, and can you guys excuse my uh, ignorance here, but, I had no idea who the hell Bruce Brown Jr. is to the season. <laughs> like, who is he? <laughs> like, this guy just comes out of nowhere, and and he looks like somebody told me he looks like um, 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 if you had to create my player, if my player just came in and started playing in the <laughs> NBA, that's what he would look uh, like, Bruce Brown. Okay. You yeah. know, and and all he does is just basically hangs out under the basket as they, you know. I worry about there's three big time scores and makes these uh, bunnies 
he just makes bunnies all the time and he and he plays tough and he's now he's like starting fights with Paul George and he I just yeah. who is this guy? Where did he come from? But for some reason he's been this amazing addition. I mean, in the, I don't even know if he was on the team last year. I guess he was. He was in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard of the guy. If if he walked down the street, I wouldn't know it was him. You know, this is a who he played for a moment. Yeah, yeah, and and he's had a sensational season. I mean, what he certainly wasn't was a power forward and a pick and roll role man in Detroit. Right. I mean, they were basically using him as a point guard at times. So it's it's incredible what a wildly different role he's playing for Brooklyn. And you know, I thought of this comp- comparison when they were talking about him during the broadcast tonight. He's sort of their Russell Westbrook in a way, and that that's a the hell way of a statement. That- <laughs> <laughs> Let me get through this. And that the way that the Rockets last year went small to make up for the fact that Westbrook was a non-shooter and they had him on the court, it's kind of, I think, what Brooklyn has done where, same thing, you put four other shooters out there, it doesn't hurt you as much the fact that he isn't a three-point shooter. So that trade, well, Sean Marks made the trade um, in the offseason. Um, they sent a second-round pick. Who was the player that he sent? Uh, do you remember Pelton? Uh, uh, they cut him. Drazen, yeah, Drazen, Zan and Musa. Yes, uh, he yeah he's already gone. So, um, uh, and and I think they use that second round pick. Yeah, he's making one point six million. Yeah, I think they use that second round pick to help them get Sadiq Bay. Yeah, yeah. So I go. Anyway, uh, do you, do you care to know, or you want to move on? Because I'll read it to you. It traded sure. uh, the part of three team trade traded by the Pistons to the Nets, da, 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 Sadiq Bay, Jalen Hands, and Dazan and Musa, and a second round pick to the Pistons. They also got Jay Scrub. They traded Jay Scrub to the Clippers. It's not a good name for a basketball player. <laughs> yeah, they ended up holding that in with the, Luke the Kennard, draft night Justin trade. Patton, and uh, there's a lot right. going on in this trade. I'll just stop <laughs> talking about it. Which yeah, is interesting anyway. because Luke Kennard didn't play in this game. I mean, he's been dealing with an injury, yeah. but the fact that the Clippers yeah. made that move for him and then he doesn't end up playing in this yeah. and Terrence Mann is playing ahead of him is kind of interesting. Well, Although yeah. Landry Shevitt, yeah, didn't didn't make a big impact either. Yeah. He went well, one and true. seven for three. The the Luke Kennard, they trade for Luke Kennard. This is uh, we're going off strip script here, but they trade for Luke Kennard because they you know they wanted a shooter. The reason the Pistons traded him was because they didn't want to pay him because they were worried about his knee. The, the Clippers pay him. I think it's fifty-six million guaranteed, and he's already got knee problems. Now, for all I know, he, his knee will be fine, and he'll be he'll be raining in threes in the playoffs, and they'll laugh all the way to the title. But I'm just saying, Luke Kennard got traded because they were worried about his knee. But Brian, the, listen, this dude is the starting for this team. He's making one point six. Well, I mean, that's what you got to do. Like, that's the that's the ch- and 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 really, that's what Sean Marks now has to do for the rest of the season. They, I know they've signed some guys. You know, I like think the um, assistant coaches of the Nets make more money than than Brown does. Some, I'm, I, you you might be. I have no idea what D'Antoni's making, but I'll bet it's, I'll bet it's good. Um, and uh, you know, so I know again, I know that they they signed Andre Andre Roberson, they signed Iman Shumpert. You know, th- those guys are on non guaranteed contracts. They, they still have roster moves that they need to make, and I don't think you're going to go out there and and acquire an all star. Okay, but you know, this is the kind of moves along the edge that you have to make if you're a championship team, and you have to make a championship team that has three max players on the roster. And so um, I don't know if Bruce Brown is going to be able to continue to succeed in this role, <laughs> but um, the move that they made and, and, you know, Steve Nash, you know, going under the hood and trying to, 
try to figure out the, the formula that works. I, I still think they, they are still susceptible defensively um, yeah. because once you, once you have a game plan, they can take advantage. And one of the reasons why, like, you know, you mentioned earlier, DeAndre Jordan had a great game tonight. He was able to finish the game. You can attack him. I don't want to talk too much about the pick and roll, but um, I still think they're susceptible, but they have improved. And I actually think the guy that's going to have to come around is Kyrie. You know, Kyrie is going to have to give the ball up a little bit. The ball, frankly, tonight needed to be in Harden's hands down the stretch. And it was in Kyrie's hands for the most part. And they almost lost the game because of it. They had a lead and they lost it. Kyrie, I think, was... I think he missed his last five shots. He took a couple of wild shots. Now, I know he makes them. I actually think in watching the Nets, and people who have watched the Nets more than me can push back on me. That's fine. I think the guy who's going to have to keep yielding is Kyrie. Now, Kyrie, if he was here, he'd probably say a lot of things to me. But he might say, well, I already handed off the the point guard duties to Harden. That was my my give. And I would say, okay, yeah, but that was going to happen one way or another. Um but I, you know, I, I, so I, you know, they almost lost this game tonight because of Kyrie, but they didn't. And Kyrie scoring throughout the middle of the game kept them ahead. And so, um, you know, Pelton, do you like them as the East favorite right now? I do. I mean, we still need to see it from Milwaukee in the playoffs. Uh, you know, they've gone through a rocky patch here where I think their lack of depth has been kind of exposed a little bit with Drew Holiday's absence. And Philadelphia, I think, is going to cool after this this hot start. You know, I'm I'm not convinced that they're going to finish number one in the East. I think Brooklyn's got a good chance to have home court advantage throughout the playoffs, whatever that means. Are there the only three East teams over 500 right now? Toronto got. I think Indiana might be a game over. Okay, Toronto had a nice win in Philly. Or no, yeah, Toronto 16 and 15. Okay, Toronto just went over. Oh, Watch Boston out for Toronto. 500. Can you believe that? Yeah. Jeez. But the other thing we should mention, by the way, from tonight's game is Jeff Green went down after yeah. that screen from Patrick Beverly, and they need him to be all right because speaking of guys who are contributing while making $1.6 million, Jeff Green is playing a huge role for this team. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, health is important for any team. That's the Lakers. Um, and Spears, you like them to win the East? I do. I mean, I think over the next couple of days, um, they're going to be in the top spot. Uh, and I don't see them giving up because e- even when uh, the, the thing that's impressive about them is even when the big three don't play together, if, as long as two of them are on the floor, they, they can win and they, and they do win. And so they have the ability to give each one of those guys a night off when they need it. So I, I think it's going to help all three of those guys kind of like um, – you know, stay healthy and, and get the rest they need and, uh, you know, going into the postseason. Well, we still don't know the second half of the schedule, so I don't know when we're going to see 76ers-Nets games, although I would imagine that they're going to be highly uh, <laughs> going to be national television because Embiid, I mean, I just think Embiid can just destroy them at times, but they may be able to survive Embiid you know, averaging 38 points or whatever, because the scoring isn't going to be an issue and they'll give enough problems at the other end. That's going to be a huge thing. By the way, the, the second half schedule is supposed to be released to the teams this week. I think Woj and Zach Lowe reported on that. Um, in talking to some teams, they are bracing themselves for the worst schedule they've ever seen. Um, all kinds of five games and seven nights, all kinds of strange road trips. Um, uh, where you know you're playing East 
you know, east and west in the same road trip where you may start a road trip in the east, <laughs> go to the west and come back east or whatever, because uh, filling up these, getting, getting 72 games in for all these teams, not only with all the COVID postponements, but recently a bunch of games in Texas have had to have been called off Dallas and Houston games because of uh, the winter storms that hit there. Um, you know, ideally you would play through the all-star break and that would give you some cushion, but they, they're not and fine. But um, when that schedule comes out, wait, do you hear the griping and uh, they're doing like, I would just say what about playing before Christmas and playing the all-star break or the all-star game, they're doing it to catch as much, as much of the money as they can before it goes out the door. And so um I think that's a great point, Spears, because I think there's going to be a lot of games, and, and this is going to go for every team, where you're just going to have to rest guys. Like, it's not even going to be guys who have injuries. You're just going to have to – you're just going to look at them and go, we've just played our second five and seven game stretch in this month, and we got to set this guy down here and there. And I – you know, depth will matter. Um, and, you know, for – you know, the, the COVID cases are going down in the country, knock on wood. The vaccines are coming, um, knock on wood, that that continues to work. We hope that we don't see COVID breakouts on teams, but now if you have five and seven get days and your whole team gets shut down for seven days, you're maybe missing even more games than you have that you have to make up. I don't even know if you're going to be able to. So uh, we'll see about that. But um, certainly an impressive performance by the Nets uh, in this game. And um, I'm not ready to declare anything uh, with the Nets, but uh, I am slowly but surely coming around to them being a, uh, you know, the real freaking deal. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com bike slash rentals. Terms apply. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. I also wanted to talk about Dame Lillard. Um, now, Dame Lillard has had some hot streaks in his career. I don't have all the numbers in front of me. He's, I don't know if he's had hotter streaks than this. It feels like he has. He's had streaks where he's you know, scored 40 points a whole bunch of times. I'm just going to tell you, in the, in, since C.J. McCollum went down, which was in mid-January, um, and Dame has missed a game or two in there, but his stats, he is averaging in those games – 32 points on 45% shooting overall, which for him, who takes a whole bunch of difficult shots, for example, he takes 12 threes a game in those games. Um, he's shooting 93% at the line. He's averaging 4.2 rebounds a game and 9.1 assists a game, 1.1 steals. 
um, just incredible. I mean, we think about nine assists and 32 points. You're talking about a guy, and think about how many times he's throwing up a pass to a guy who gets fouled. I mean, he's probably accounting for, including the threes, he's probably accounting for between, you know, in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 points a night um, without Nurkic. Um, who else is out, Pelton, for them? CJ, I mean, they've had other guys. You know, Zach Collins hasn't played yet this season. And, yeah. and then a couple, you know, Covington's missed some time in the stretch, too. Um, Luka Doncic, who's, who's putting up, who's having a good year, his team's underachieving. Luka was kind of almost borderline ashamed that he, that he made all-star starter ahead of Dame. Um, Spears, you've had, you go way back with Dame. The guy is just an incredible performer. He is doing it again. His team is playing, you know, great, all things considered. They had a, they had a, a bad loss to the Wizards, who, by the way, have won four in a row. We'll keep an eye on them. Uh, had a bad loss to the Wizards on Saturday. But Dame Lillard is just a Dame Lillard appreciation moment here. Uh, he, the guy is just amazing. And and he keeps doing it year after year, and he's doing it again. And, and he never stops finding a chip on his shoulder. That That's the thing that's amazing to me. Like, um, you know, uh, I remember seeing him at Merritt College, which you guys have probably never heard of, in Oakland, you know, when he worked out, um, which is the most incredible workout I've ever seen. Why is that? One, he he was in incredible shape, and he was doing this drill where he would shoot a three-pointer and then run the backwards, not backwards, to the to the baseline on the other side, run back and shoot another three-pointer. And it, it's kind of like he kept crisscrossing from one end of the court to the other, but shooting three-pointers and nailing them, going full speed the whole time. And it, it was just like, several minute drill where I'm like, okay, he, he's about to drop dead. He's tired and he's nailing all these threes. And you had Portland was there. Golden State was there. And, and, and there was another team. I, I can't, maybe the Clippers were there. And so he's doing this like full sprint from baseline to the three point line, um, three point shooting thing, nailing everything. And he, he's from Weber state. Like, how is he not yeah. nervous? You know what I mean? Bob Myers was there. And then after he nails about six, about eight threes or whatever, he's sweating profusely, and he just comes down the middle and does a tomahawk dunk. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, okay, who is this dude? Because I never even saw him play when he was at Weber. Somebody told me to. And I'm like, this guy's at Weber. Uh, whatever. You know what I mean? And I saw him play, fell in love with his game and his anger and his, and his hunger and he just never gets satisfied. I mean, he's this, like, dude from East Oakland who wasn't given anything. And just when you think, I'm like, oh, well, you're rookie of the year. You don't have a chip anymore. Yeah, I do. You're, you're all NBA. Yeah, you know, that's not enough. You're you're an all-star. No, no, that's not enough. Uh, you know, I want to be in Portland, and I want to win a championship here. And until that happens, I'm going to just keep fighting and clawing. And so you think that when CJ gets hurt, the long list of guys get hurt, that the Blazers will fall apart. But it tells you why he's a great, why he's a future Hall of Famer, why he uh, could should be maybe the top guy for MVP right now because they're like 18 and 11 with all mm-hmm. the and, and he's like working with all these young dudes that haven't proven themselves and made them better. 
you know, like Gary Trent Jr. I mean, and Simons and stuff like that. It, it's just and he, his shots. And, and it's simple. He takes shots from the logo because that's what it takes for him to get shots off. Like the, you know, he's small. He's a lot of times the smallest guy on the court. And um, so he's easier to defend. And it's just, you know, it's kind of like Curry. Curry has this incredible freaking handle. Uh, but also they run all kinds of stuff for him. But like Curry has to have this incredible handle because it takes so much to get a shot off. Well, Lillard's even smaller, man. And um, Lillard has has developed this incredibly long shot. You know, you talk about him playing angry. I don't know if this is my perception of it or other people could feel differently, especially if he's just ruining your team. I don't have a team, so I don't feel that way. He plays angry, but he doesn't ir- – sometimes when guys play angry, it's ir- it irritates me. Because uh, I'm like, come on, guys. No, it's come like on. this quiet fury that you can just see it in his eye. But it doesn't. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not turned off by it. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm energized by it. And, um, you know, I actually did see him play at Weber State. So I. I remember. Um, I went out to Chicago. I went. I went from. Uh, I was going out to cover the Heat when I was covering the Heat day to day, and I the Heat were beginning a road trip in Portland, a long road trip, and I flew and changed planes in Chicago, and I was at my gate in chicago getting ready to board the plane and gar foreman the gm of the bulls and john hammond the gm of the of the celtics i'm sorry of the uh, bucks at the time now he's with the uh, the magic they both show up to get on the plane <laughs> it's pretty unusual that you're on uh you know a plane with two gms and also that you're not flying to either either their teams are playing and i go what are you guys you know doing here and they're like oh we're i mean we're going to see dame lillard play or they didn't call him dame Dame, you know i think they even said we're going to see this kid for weber state i didn't even know who he yeah. was so we flew out to, we flew out to portland from chicago I, I was changing planes and uh you know i get out there and I, you know you should like you should come to the game tonight so i i did it, it, weber state was playing at the university of portland oh. and i apologize i don't even know if that's in the in an inner conference i don't think no, it, it was is. portland and, state portland state Portland State. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The Vikings. So I go, okay. So I go to Portland State. I don't even remember. I don't even remember the gym. Oh, it's I don't like a high school gym. That's why you don't remember yeah. it. I don't remember it because this is like 2011 maybe. And um, he put up 40. He put up 40. Uh, and you had and no just, clue who he was when you got on the plane. Well, when I get to the game, uh, Chad Buchanan, who was a, who was the acting GM of the, of the Blazers at the, at the time, um, there was a scout there that I knew from the Nets who had flown out um, uh, for the game. I just remember a few weeks later, the Nets traded their pick. This is, of course, famous. You know, the Nets, um, this guy, by the way, this wasn't just a scout. It was a front. I won't say who it is because I, I don't want to put him on the spot or whatever. But it was a front office guy from the Nets who had flown all the way out from the East Coast to, to watch him. And I went a couple of weeks later when they traded away their pick for Gerald Wallace and they were like, oh, there's only six guys in this draft. I think there was a top three protected pick. And there's like, there's only three guys in this draft we really like. And so, uh, and I was like, well, your scout was sitting there the night he put up 41 or whatever on Portland State. So I don't know if that scouting report got lost on the email back. Um, you know, I didn't know he was going to be like a megastar because, you know, I, I saw he was small and he was playing against small guys. But I remember the next day, um, the next morning, uh, you know, Weber State doesn't fly private. <laughs> they were flying commercial. So they stayed overnight. They didn't go home after the game. And so I um, they were staying in the Marriott where I was staying. And I uh, ran into them in the lobby and I, uh, I introduced myself to him and I said, I'll be I'll be seeing you next year. That's a great story. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, 
And, uh, but I mean, again, I want to be clear. I wasn't like saying, oh my God, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer like he is. I mean, I just recognize that as an NBA talent, you know, uh, but he was spectacular that night. What, and like, what look, he, what did he say when you said that to him? Oh, he, you know, he was just very polite. You know how he is. Yeah. He was just very polite, you know. I mean, I doubt he even remembers it. You know, he probably got, he's probably, but that was when he was a senior. He was probably getting come up to by everybody. Um, and I wasn't really on TV then. So he probably, you know, when I said I was from ESPN, he probably didn't know who I was. Um, but, you know, the thing about it was, is this guy's playing Weber State out in Portland. And um, all these guys are flying all the way out there to see him. That's what made, that's what made me want to go to the game. You know, like if I hear there's a game, you know, it's an off night in Portland. Portland's a great city. You know, I could have other things to do. But um, the reason I went to the game was because these GMs were, were hauling their asses out to the West coast to see this guy play, you know? Um, and so that, you know, not their regional scouts. I'm sure their regional scouts had already seen it, seen him and sent him back. Um, I kind of feel like there was even other NBA scouts there that night, but you know, there were definitely three GMs at this game. And uh, so anyway, well, that's, um, so that's pe- better than going to Ogden. <laughs> they wanted to go to yeah, cafe uh, Dewberry and, in Portland, that was an excuse. It's, it's always around food with those guys. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Pelton, um, Spears just talked about uh, Lillard as an MVP candidate. Um, when Tim Bontemps did his uh, straw poll um, with 100 likely MVP voters two weeks ago, I think Damian was 12th. Um, when you look at it, uh, where do you think uh, he is? And his case is being bolstered by the fact that, you know, he's always been disrespected. And, you know, I mean, when is he going to get respected? Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of the danger of talking so much about MVP early in the season is that things can change pretty dramatically. I mean, it, when we were talking about it a month ago, CJ McCollum had been the Blazers' best player over the first three or four weeks of the season before he got injured. He was really the one who was playing at another level, and Dame was able to tap, take a, a slight step backward, not a not a huge one by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, he wasn't playing at that MVP level, and then he's needed to do so much more you know, during this stretch, as you talked about earlier. And I think if you're going to make the case for Dame's MVP, it's got to be primarily around his clutch performance. I know uh, McMahon isn't giving out the Kone's factor player of the week anymore off the pod, but if he was, I think Dame would just be permanently on there right now. Oh, the this Damian season, Lillard factor? Yeah. This season in what NBA.com defines as clutch situations, that's inside five minutes and five points or less is the lead either way. 24 of 39. 
10 of 17 from three. No, he's getting swarmed. 24 of 24 on free throws. Since 1996-97, which is when the NBA started tracking this on uh, the NBA Advanced Stats site, there have been two players who have had a season with at least 30 field goal attempts using at least 25% of their team's plays in the clutch in an effective field goal percentage of 70% or better. You'll never get the other one, which was Victor Oladipo the year that he went down with the uh, the quadriceps tendon injury before he went was injured. Uh, but it's him and Lillard. That's the entire group. You know, Spears, I mean, you, you hear about guys wanting to go to big markets, and this is one of the reasons why, although he, you know, he hasn't, he's signed there long-term everything, but he, he is penalized because he plays games that start at 1030 and he plays in Portland. I mean, if the guy was in New York, he probably, I mean, he'd, he'd be voted in by the fans for sure. Yeah. I think the, the media voted him the number two guard spot. I'm pretty sure the media yeah, and players and the players voted him number two. But the fans had him like fourth or fifth or something. Yeah, I mean, but you know, Steph Curry and Doncic are like wildly popular. So I know. I mean, I don't even know if he was in New York if there was anything he could do about that. Um, there are, you know, but you know, Dame is um, he'll be there, and I think ultimately that's all he cares about. He'll be there and um, be in Atlanta, and um, he he just one of those guys, man. That not not only on the court is he amazing but he's one of the best people i've met off the court too in terms of what he does you know especially for the community in oakland what he does from in, in portland you know he does a lot for young kids um and it, it, there's this um you know a big festival he does that you know was postponed this past year obviously f- for obvious reasons uh he does a picnic in oakland every year and any kid that wants to just show up and see him and take a picture with him can do it. And he said he, the reason why he does it is he wants kids in his neighborhood to see him, touch him, know that he truly is from there. And, and he's not going to hide with bodyguards or anything like that. He wants them to be able to know that Damon Lillard is, is somebody that has, uh, has success and that, you know, perhaps it's not basketball, but in him you could, see somebody from your neighborhood that is successful and did things the right way. So um, before we go, we do have some uh, breaking news that, that happened in the NBA tonight. Um, uh, Ryan Saunders has been fired, the first coach uh, fired uh, this season, which actually kind of a surprise. Um, Timberwolves lost tonight to the Knicks, um, which, you know, has a special little insult because Tibbs, um, everything there, but it's not like it's uh, – not like it's uh you know that big of a surprise i guess maybe the timing is um and uh who did they name as coach uh the reports are that they are working to hire chris finch okay so um dame uh, how did, can, I, can i say something though yeah how does david vanderpool not get this job well let me I, let me read what damien lillard tweeted two minutes ago how in the hell do you not hire David Vanderpool? And he's right there on the bench. He has been in the front office uh, successfully and on the front of a bench for a winning team successfully and has also played um, uh, some major role in development of a dominant backcourt. Uh, SMTH, shake my damn head. Um, let me just say that two things. I mean, I just got this news. I have done no reporting on this whatsoever. Uh, David Vanderpool was a strong candidate to be hired as the head coach 
when Gerson Rosas um, uh, became the general manager before last season. He, he had an interview, even though Ryan Saunders was in the seat, he had an interview process. David Vanderpool got um, several interviews and then he, he brought Dave Vanderpool onto Ryan Saunders staff. We sometimes see this in the NBA where um, a coach who's on a bit of a hot seat has a, um, has a veteran or an assistant brought in that's preferred by the um, by the GM. It doesn't always go this way, but the feeling in the league was that uh, David Vanderpool was sort of the coach in waiting there. And uh, obviously this season hasn't gone that well, but um, Lillard making his feelings thought and you, Spears, right off the bat making your feelings thought. So um, I'm sure this will not be the last we hear about this. No, no. I mean, it's it's... it's- it's disappointing because, you know, I know David real well, and he has certainly done everything the right way. Everything that you want to do, you need to do to to get the opportunity. And um, should have been a head coach already. Thought he would have been a head coach already. I just don't get it. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe there's more to this story. And and, I, and I'm a big Gerson fan, so. But I'm just confused by this, man. Like, to me, it just would seem like a no-brainer. And, you know, what What do you have to lose to give him a chance? I just I'm, – I'm pretty stunned that that's not a no-brainer that he gets this opportunity. And I, I don't know if he resigns, but I actually think he should. Dame Lillard is speaking for many – I mean, he is very popular amongst players. Um, has a long career and um, – you know, has interviewed Gosh Spears for how many jobs? He's interviewed yeah. for a lot of jobs. Yeah, that, that's my confusion. Yeah. Um, you've you've written and talked about this a lot uh, about um, perceived. I don't know. I, I'll let you describe it how you want to say it. But you've written about this a lot about how there's an inequity uh, amongst the African American coaches, head coaches in the league. Yeah. Um, it, it, obviously, this league is. Um, 80% black if you if you cons- consider the the African players as well and um, you know uh, but I, I, maybe there's seven I think black head coaches in the league which by NFL standards it sounds amazing by um, uh, and, and NBA it's it's still extremely disappointing um, you know I, I do think you need to hire the best person for the job but a lot of these NBA coaches that I have talked to, these assistant coaches, and this includes guys in the front office, black front office guys as well, said no, no matter what we do, they feel like the, 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 the rules are always changed. The, the goalposts are always moved, that no matter what they do in terms of getting the experience they need, it, it's just not enough. So I'm just this, – this to me this is – this screams what we've been talking about um, because there there is a guy in the house. It's not like, you know, you, you're going to go out of house to, to get this dude. <laughs> Chris Finch. I mean, you couldn't wait to like, just give David a chance for the rest of the season. And then if it didn't work out, I mean, is there more to this story? I don't know, but yeah, uh, I mean, this is all. I mean, I mean, we just found out as it was going. I mean, on, whether so. whether he's black or, or green or white, I think he should be really, really well, this, upset well, by this, this and, and he should. Yeah, go. this is what you're talking about because he had. I mean, he's definitely paid his dues. I mean, we don't. We're not there. We're not in the locker room. We don't know. Yeah. But, 
but you know, again, Dame's reaction is exactly the same as yours. And Dame, you know, he, I didn't say this. One of the reasons Dame is talking, he was in Portland with Dame. Um, I, I mean, if you know Vanderpool's yeah. background, you, you know that, but not everybody may know that, but he, yeah, came- there was the, that was the uh, backcourt that Lillard was talking about him developing was himself and CJ McCollum. Right. Right. Um, um, and, and yeah, CJ so, um, about, about it as well. CJ said, make it make sense respectfully. And I, th- yeah. I think that's the thing. I mean, like, it. Um, it's just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it's so unorthodox to hire a coach off another team's staff midseason. Uh, my friend Dan Feldman of NBC Sports found an example of it with Phil Johnson going to the Kings in the 80s. But it's not something I can remember, certainly in my time covering the league and, and even before that, just as a fan. Well, Finch has been a sort of uh, a guy who uh, has been uh, sort of been one a guy on short lists. Uh, he was in Houston for a while, um, and it was thought that you know he could maybe be a coach there. Um, he's been on the Raptors staff this year, and it is interesting. I mean, um, I'm not sure who report again. We're doing this sort of live, just finding this out. Um, I'm not sure who reported first, but you know, it's, it sounds like they're hiring him on a multi-year deal. So like they, he is the new head coach, like multi-year head coach. And so um, now I said Houston, that's where Gerson Rosas came from. So there's obviously a, um, a connection there. And um, there was, you know, Gerson obviously had been thinking about this for a while and, you know, made this move and um, all that stuff. Uh, so, uh, but it's a pretty fascinating uh, development. There will be more in coming days, and I'm sure we will talk about it uh, then. Um, thank you so much, uh, Pelton and Spears. Spears, I think, especially because you're uh, working overtime at the arena tonight in Staples. Um, thanks to Troy Farkas uh, for producing. Um, and thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you uh, later this week. <laughs>